Michael, this is all very confusing. At this point, I don't think there's a person in America who doesn't have at least one social media account. It's unavoidable. And with the meteoric rise of social media over the past 15 years comes a new profession, the social media influencer. But in recent years, we've seen a new species of influencer evolve, the Finfluencer. I'm Remy Bartolotta, and this is On Markets, presented by Darwin Wealth Management and Darwin Asset Management. With me today is Chief Investment Officer Michael Sorrentino and Senior Financial Advisor Michael Bartolotta. If you have any questions, comments, or maybe a suggestion for a topic for our next episode, email comments at onmarkets.com or hit me up directly at remy at onmarkets.com. And as always, if you like our podcast, help us out and hit the follow button on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or whatever podcast platform you prefer. Okay, so probably most people know what a social media influencer is, but just in case, let's lay the foundation. A social media influencer is someone who has amassed a large following on one or more social media platforms, and in most cases, has monetized that platform. Just like celebrities, these people use their influence to sell products, advertise for large corporations, sway politics, and so on. Often, influencers find a niche, like fashion, music, politics, as I just mentioned, and as is the topic for our show today, financial advice. Influencers who specialize in giving financial advice have been dubbed Finfluencers. So a lot of fun stuff to cover today, but before we even get into it, I'm just curious to get your sort of off-the-cuff response to your opinion on influencers. Mike Tino? You know, for me, it's, uh, I guess it's just, it's like everything else, right? Everything online to me seems to just get blown out of proportion everybody becomes an expert on everything. You know, this one seems that the consequences are a little more serious, right? I mean, I, I can jump online and, and if I want to, uh, I don't know, design a new living room, right? I can find 8,000 amateur interior designers. But, you know, the the um, the consequences of, of a poor design in my living room because I followed one of these knuckleheads on, on Reddit or Pinterest or something are, are far less consequential than, than if... You know, I invest money based on what some idiot says on on Reddit. So it, it's just it's weird. Tino, I hate everything about it. <laughs> <laughs> I knew that was going to be your answer. <laughs> I, yeah, I can't stand this stuff. Uh, I mean, look, I mean, we yeah, we all we all work in a very regulated business. I mean, I feel like sometimes we're more regulated than nuclear submarines, right? And a lot of those regulations are frustrating, but at the same time, a lot of them are very necessary. And, uh, you know, when you get to the Wild West of, of social media, it's a very dangerous place. I mean, even, you know, let's use your analogy, Mike. Let's say you're, you're redoing your living room and you say, okay, maybe this throw pillow, I don't know, I'm not a designer, but something like fan, nice in, in your living room makes it look better. How does that affect the overall house? Like, how do you piecemeal the, you know, these different rooms together? If you're taking advice from somebody that's talking about something very granular, even if they knew what they were talking about, which is probably not the case, how does that impact your overall portfolio, your overall financial plan? Uh, this stuff is incredibly dangerous, in my opinion. Why don't we talk about how these Finfluencers make money, right? Because, you know, in order to, I, I think, understand sort of where these people come from and, and why they're doing what they're doing, 
you know, it always comes down to the same thing, right? Money. How are they making money? So we had Miles on the show a couple of weeks ago, right? Talking about um, trick shot content for video games, right? And he had, I don't remember how many, but 970,000 followers on TikTok or something, right? I mean, he would be considered an influencer for sure. Now, whether he monetizes or not, I don't know. I, I think he did touch on it and he said he does sort of make, you know, something off of that. But you know, the way he's monetizing is no different from the way any, any influencer would monetize too, right? And, and one way is, is partnerships and advertising. I mean, if you've got a following of, you know, a million people, there are plenty of companies out there that are willing to pay you to talk about their product, their service, you know, whatever. Two, a lot of them sell their own merchandise, right? Lifestyle brand influencers. I was just looking at an article about a woman, her handle is Mrs. Dow Jones, and she's selling merchandise that says, keep up with the Dow Joneses, right? And she's probably selling millions of dollars of these t-shirts and hats or whatever. So they're selling their own merch. And, you know, a third way, which is tried and true, is the, is the good old pump and dump. Right, we'll talk about that one later. So the thing I, the thing I find interesting about this, right, is that, is that we, you know, as industry professionals are super highly regulated, right? There's so many things that, that we can get in trouble for if, if we sort of go outside of the guidelines, even the, the slightest bit. But someone who has no background, no education, no anything, can do and say anything that they want with zero consequences. And I don't know how you fix that, but, but I mean, that is the way it is. It's weird. Well, I think it's pervasive too. I mean, look, the, the whole adage, F, ask for forgiveness, never for permission, right? I mean, think about, this is an ancillary subject, but you think about like Facebook a couple of years ago, you guys remember, Remy, you might remember, they tried to start their own digital coin and they made the insane mistake of trying to do it the right way. They went out and talked to the regulators. They tried to run through everything through the compliance department and the thing never got off the ground and ended up dying on the vine. They couldn't get the thing done, right? But then you got something like Tether who basically puts two middle fingers in the air towards the government says, I'm just gonna do this and let's see what happens. And guess what happens? They're super successful, right? So you know, maybe, maybe what we should be doing here is just giving up all our licenses and going out and, and getting some followers on TikTok. Well, I mean, think about the, the irony of, of what you're talking about right now, right? If I tell you, you should go buy Best Buy stock, right? Because it's, I don't even know that company's still around, but whatever. Go out and buy Best Buy, right? Because it's going to skyrocket in the next six months. If I tell you that I am a financial advisor, a registered financial advisor, I now have to face the scrutiny of all this regulation, right? But if I just don't tell you that I'm a financial advisor, I'm just Joe Blow, no regulation at all. And yet those are the people that, you know, at least on these platforms, have the most influence. So the person that has the least knowledge has the most influence. It, it, it doesn't make any sense. It does, but what do you do about it, right? What do you do? How do you fix that? I don't know. I, that's a good question. I, I don't know how to do it. But if you think about what makes this even worse, like the gasoline on the flame here is technology. You know, the, the, you think about Facebook and TikTok and all these platforms, they know everything about everyone, right? So it reminds me of an article I read. Uh, this is like at least 10 years ago. So Target, in, I think 2011 or 12, they got uh, written up in the New York Times for their quote unquote pregnancy algorithm. So basically what they were doing you guys remember this? They were, they were actually checking to see what female shoppers were doing online. And when they were doing things like from moving from scented lotions to unscented lotions, they would start triggering advertisements for pregnancy tests and, and things like that for early stages of pregnancy. 
So what was happening is a lot of women were shopping on Target and they didn't realize they were pregnant at the time, but then they started seeing advertisements for pregnancy stuff and they went and got a test done and they were pregnant. Think about that technology and how good it is. That was 10 years ago, okay? That was before all this AI that's been shoved into Facebook algorithms and TikTok algorithms. So today, it's even more deadly. Now, if you're, if you're, if you're somebody who's worried about the end of the world, you're going to get served advertisements for like gold or whatever. Uh, maybe guns and condensed milk. If you're, <laughs> if you're, um, you know, if you're, a, if you're a gambler, gold, guns, and condensed yeah. milk. I don't even know if condensed milk is a thing. It sounds like it. I love that. But uh, maybe that should be the title <laughs> for this episode. <laughs> but look, you're getting. I mean, you, the, the technology again. It just amplifies this this risk because they they know everything about you. You can, you know, if you're an advertiser, you can find exactly who you're looking for on these social media sites. So it's, it's not only how do you fix the problem, but it's, it's just getting worse, in my opinion, getting worse by the day. So a little bit off topic here, but just, just to sort of uh, respond to that comment, you know, for any of our listeners that want a, a little bit more information on sort of how those algorithms work and sort of how, in my opinion, dangerous they really are, there's a documentary on Netflix called The Social Dilemma. I don't know if either yeah. of you have seen this, yeah, but I saw it's... It. Yeah, it's wild. So check that out. If, if, I mean, it's after you watch that, you're afraid to turn your computer on. So here's my here's my question, Remy. You mentioned uh, pump and dump earlier, and I remember this is going to go back a few years, but you know, prior to email, right? I remember coming into the office in the morning, and there would be like 17 faxes sitting on my fax machine almost every morning, telling me to buy some penny stock. Right. And, and it was clearly somebody trying to pump up the value of the stock. It was always something that was like 12 cents. Right. And if you followed any of these stocks, I mean, I don't know whether you get these fax lists from, but they blast these things out and then you get enough people to buy it. And the thing would go from 12 cents to, you know, 40 or 50 cents, you know, by like one o'clock. And by the end of the day, it was like three cents. But as I recall, they, there was something, they somehow were able to sort of shut that down. Were they not, you know? It's harder to do, to do pump and dumps today than it was in the past. And there's a lot of technology that's been put in the markets too, uh, and, and kind of being able to tie back where a lot of this trading is coming from. But it's, it's also not 100% foolproof either. You know, one, one of the, where the pump and dumps, in my opinion, have really moved towards are more on the Reddit forums. You know, so go back to early 2021, right? You've got a bunch of these retail investors that, you know, if, if you're moving kind of small lots, shares, which basically what that means is if you're moving small amounts of money, relatively speaking, it's going to be hard to, hard to catch that. But I think the biggest pump and dumps that we're seeing right now, we at least we saw last year, were in the crypto world. I mean, if you talk about influencers right now, I mean, think about all the influencers that are, that are hyping up these stupid dog coins, or they were at least before they all crashed. I mean, that's where all the pump and dumps in the crypto world. Remy, correct me if I'm wrong. That's called a rug pull, right? Yes. It's, it's kind of the same thing, right? It's the same idea. Sure. Where, yeah, same idea. So there was a ton of these rug pulls going on last year and there's, there actually still are. But again, it's, it's the exact same concept. The only difference here is that from a regulatory perspective, there is no regulation on, on crypto. So you can do a rug pull effectively legally, whereas in right. regulated markets, they're going to try to find you. To be honest, I'd argue that you can do it legally uh, with traditional equities too, right? And and look, like GameStop is a good example, right? The difference between like what you're talking about, Mike, and I think what happens now is the social component to it, right? When you used to get those faxes back in the day, it was pretty obvious that somebody is targeting you for a pump and dump, right? But now you've got social uh, platforms where people can go on and they can express their 
opinions about you know whatever it is that they want to pump up right and they can sort of rally a, a large group of people around those opinions and you know essentially they're doing the exact same thing but you know how are you going to regulate i mean what is essentially free speech right i mean you can't you can't i mean we could argue whether or not that's regulated or not but but that's sort of that, that's a different episode maybe but no what's happening now is a sophisticated version of what was happening then right you you get these things and there'd be this whole little backstory on this stock you know uh, it's this company that invented, a, I don't know, a flat speaker, and they're about to sign with every car company on the planet to put flat speakers in the cars. It's going to be revolutionary. Then the stock is going to go from three cents to a million dollars. Whatever it is, I mean, it's the same thing. It's just much, much more sophisticated and much more widespread now. But my question was, I thought back then, somehow they were able to shut that down. And it may have had something to do with faxes or something. I don't remember. There was some something that happened. That, that put an end to that. Do you remember that, Tino, or no? Uh, very vaguely. I know exactly what you're talking about. I want to say it was so, it was so, it was some law that had nothing to do with securities. It was sort of like a mail fraud thing or something. It was something weird. So last night, while I was doing a little bit of research for for this episode, I was trying to sort of classify the different types of finfluencers or financial influencers because there really are a handful of of sort of different breeds of finfluencer, and I narrowed it down to three. You have the first one, which are true, uh, knowledgeable, experienced, often licensed financial advisors, right? You do have that group of people. Quite frankly, this podcast could be considered proof of that, right? We've got licensed advisors on here, people who are in the business, people that have experience, and we're talking about different financial concepts, educating people when we can. Um, you know, so, so you could consider that sort of part of that group. And and there are plenty of of licensed, experienced, qualified people out there that do have social media accounts that are giving some sort of ad advice, right? And what I would say is that those people tend to augment their existing business with some sort of social media platform, right? So they already have a wealth advisory firm or something of that nature, right? And they're and they're just adding the the social media platform as maybe an additional service to their existing clients or just a way to to reach out and sort of, you know, connect with the community or whatever. Then you have, I guess what I would call the product salespeople, right? People who have a product to sell and they use the platform to sell that product. And then third, I would say you have what I would consider the pure influencer. This is the, the and I know everybody has heard of this before, the, the guru, right? I'm, a, I'm the guru, the credit card guru or the pay off your mortgage early guru or the whatever guru, right? These are the people that, in my opinion, have zero education, zero experience. This is just truly an influencer who is good at, at, at growing a following and they're convincing at, at, at what they're telling people to do. Who do you think is the most dangerous? Oh, the, the last one by far, right? So, you know what? That was going to be my initial thought as well. But, but I actually think the product salesperson might be more dangerous. You know, I don't know. It, it's a toss-up. I mean, that product salesperson, they're often experienced salespeople. These are people that have been in sales for years. They, I feel like, tend to be a little bit more calculating in regards to what they're doing, right? The, I feel like those pure influencers, those gurus, while they may be dangerous, I feel like they actually think they're doing something good for the world, right? They're, they're, they're not doing it in, a, in an intentional, or they're not misleading people in any intentional way. Whereas I feel like those product salespeople, 
they're sort of the, the bottom of the barrel. I mean, they're targeting you. They're looking for you. They know what they're trying to sell you. They're intentionally manipulating you. Yeah, but that's a whole separate issue, right? It, now you're talking about are people more dangerous because they have malicious intent or not? I would agree with you that they're they're more despicable. No question. <laughs> That's true. Right? But are they more dangerous? Yeah, it's hard to say. <laughs> I don't know if they're more dangerous, right? I mean I can think of a lot of licensed guys that are pretty despicable, that are pretty dangerous. They're not breaking any laws technically. They're just they're just selling a horrible product and they're doing it illegally. That's true. So, you know, I would put those guys right in there with those 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 influencers that we hate too. Tina, what do you think? I'd probably side with uh with Mike on this one. These these gurus are uh, you know, again, it's, it's, it's a specialty. I mean, but also, too, I mean, look, they're all, we're all kind of ranking the tallest midget, I think, in my mind here. <laughs> look, I mean, look, think about the dynamics of what's going on here. Money is a very powerful psychological uh, trigger, right? So you're, you're basically, I mean, a bunch of, frankly, addicts running around looking for something to believe in or, or wanting, you know, it's that, it's that psychology of, of hitting it big. So serving this stuff up is, is real easy to do. I mean, Look, I mean, think about it this way. I, I, how many times do I talk about stocks on, on this show or, or really write about them? Never. Why? Because somebody's going to go out and listen to me and, and buy it. And I, mean, I might not even know what I'm talking about or I might have an off-the-cuff comment. You know, Mike, you're, in, you're, you're meeting with, um, uh, with, with clients all the time. Uh, you've got an incredibly strong amount of influence over what they do because they, you know, they, they see dollar signs. That's, that's, that's in human nature. Yeah. So you got to be very careful with this stuff. So people that are tapping into that and using for their advantage, they're just trying to get rich. So I'm going to change this topic a little bit. While we're talking, I'm sort of looking for stuff, right? And I just found articles, Australian Finfluencers can now get prison time for giving unlicensed financial advice. I saw that. Right? I love that. It's great, but what constitutes fi financial advice? I think that's well, that's a challenge. It's so subjective, right? It's completely subjective. But I guess it's no different than unauthorized practice of law, right? Same kind of thing. Yeah. You know, so I guess I answered that's the answer to my, my question earlier. What can be done about it? I guess this can be done about it if, if we decide to crack down, if our government decides to crack down on it. There are rules, yeah. The question, I, I mean, this is more of a philosophical question, I guess, than anything, is, is should they? I don't, I don't think we want to get into that argument, but... Well, the problem is like, it's like everything else. It's not black and white, right? It's, it's hard to know. I mean, I, you know, I know, I, I, listen, I have clients that, that are, you know, heavily, for lack of a better term, in, invested in their money, right? And they, and they spend lots and lots of time doing research. And, and these people are, you know, they know what they're doing, a lot of them. And I, I don't think that, it, you know, advice from them would necessarily be a bad thing, but how do you, you know, but how do you judge that? So I'm curious if you had to guess, what platform do you think is is the most common or the most popular for influencers? You know, I, I'm going to take a guess and say TikTok, even though it doesn't seem intuitive to me. But it seems like TikTok is the most influential thing for everything right now. Do you know any guesses? I know virtually nothing about social media. Uh, for many reasons, uh, but I would say that the audience that would be most susceptible to this stuff would probably be the younger generation. Look, we've all been there before, so it's not a knock on them. Uh, so yeah, I would say probably the TikTok type thing. I don't know. I've never been on Snapchat. Maybe that's some type of, you know, again, it's, it's think about distribution. If we want to sell a product, right? What do we want to do? We want to find the best distribution out there. And, and to, to Mike's point right now, it does appear to be TikTok. So I would have thought it would be YouTube, but, but it's not. You got it right, Mike. It is TikTok. 
which I thought is shocking. So after I saw that, I looked up the top five biggest TikTok influencers. Two of the top five are 21 years old. Yeah. How scary is that? Yeah, that, that should really tell you everything you need to know. I mean, this guy's 21. He has 2 million followers. I mean, that truly is the definition of an influencer for sure. So when we were going through the global financial crisis of 2008, he was seven. Got it. Okay. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yes. You know, I almost feel, though, like if you're going to take financial advice from a 21-year-old on TikTok, you sort of deserve what you get. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I'm kind of with yeah. you. But at the same time, I'm thinking about who's taking this advice. It's probably other 22-year-olds, 23-year-olds, whatever, right? And, and they're, they see them as peers. So I, I don't know. I'm with you on that, Mike. I feel like it's, you know, you're sort of asking for it at this point. I'll even extend that a little bit because it's not just you, you get what you deserve. Honestly, this is probably a good lesson in life. Look, I mean, when I was 22, 21 years old, 22, it was during the dot-com craziness. And I, I put every diamond I was making into the stock market. And guess what happened? I lost every dime I put in, right? I learned my lesson. It wasn't that much money on a relative basis. I skinned my knees a few times. And guess what? That lesson has carried with me ever since. So these people are going to get their face ripped off at some point. They're going to learn from it. And their life is probably going to be a lot better going forward. So Tito's now saying these guys are providing a service. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's a life lesson, right? <laughs> You got to learn the hard way. So some of the negatives, we, we've covered a lot of negatives so far, right? I mean, scams, I think, go without saying. I mean, you know, this is a platform that's ripe for scamming. Credibility, we've talked about that. What is the credibility of the people giving the, this advice? For the people that, that actually are qualified to speak to these types of things, I would say a, a negative there is that just... You know, they tend to be giving out, and Tino, you, you alluded to this as to why you don't ever talk about specific stocks, right? Is that, you know, generalized information is rarely applicable in the raw form, right? It's, it's a generalized statement, but people tend to listen to it and, and they say, oh, this person told me to do this and they follow it. So even somebody that has a good intention or is just, you know, has no intention, is just making a, a, a comment, a, you know, a qualified person making a comment, you know, the listener tends to hear that and, and take that as quote unquote advice. So we talked a lot, a lot about the negatives, but let's talk about some of the positives because I, I think we've, you know, the, the three of us tend to sort of find all of the, the reasons that this is such a horrible situation, right? But, but there are really some good things that have come out of this too, or I guess you can look at them as, as positives. The democratization of financial advice, I think, is probably the most obvious. There really is a lot of really good information out there if you have the ability to source it. Yeah, I think that that's a big deal. The education component is important because if you think about, I mean, you know, I went to, when I grew up, I went to public schools and I mean, I can't remember a single class ever, not one that just had a discussion of money, not a single one. And we're not, it's not calculus. This is third grade math, right? It's all conceptual stuff. Not once did I learn anything. I didn't learn it in undergrad either, okay, because I was more of an engineer and mathematics person. So like, I never learned about money until I was in my late 20s and I had to do it on my own. And I didn't have TikTok, probably a good thing. But my point here, though, is that the education component is, is a big deal because they're not going to learn it anywhere else, right? Very few people are going to buy a book and try to kind of beat themselves. If, 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 there's, if there are credible resources out there that are trying to offer that type of a service, I think it's hugely beneficial. How about this one? How about better communication 
amongst the community about financial issues, right? I think that you know, sort of to, you sort of alluded to this, you know, in, in your comment. But I mean, I think if you went back thirty years or forty years, it was kind of taboo to talk about you know financial issues, especially as it relates to personal finance, right? I mean, nobody talked about their own personal finances. Mm-hmm. But now, I, I mean, with a quick Google search, I can find you know a hundred forums to talk about any any financial problem that I may be facing and I can find a million people that can offer me some sort of quote unquote advice or at least direction to head towards, you know, I would argue that's a a good thing overall. I mean, you know, like we said, you you have to be able to, to source your info. You have to be able to ensure what you're reading is credible. So you have to do your own research, but overall the idea behind the fact that, you know, there is a community behind you and and a group of people that you can go to and talk about these things. I, I think that's probably a good thing. I just go back to this idea that this guy has 2 million followers or whatever. He's 21 years old. Is it because he is educating people or is it because he's an entertainer, right? It's, it's like, it's like stand-up comedians, right? Stand-up comedians. There's a lot of funny people in this world, but the most successful ones, why are they most successful? It's because they're entertainers, right? So I, I just, I can't get my head around this. I still, there's, there's, yeah. But it's but it's but it's not really all that much different, right? We we did a, an episode on uh, Robin Hood and these, you know, these all these apps where where you know kids sort of have the market in the palm of their hand, and you know, is it a dangerous thing in a way? Yeah, it is, but it's also sort of a bit of a gateway drug, right? If it if it gets them the interest to move forward and actually learn more about it, there's some positive there. I think I think that's what Remy's saying. It's sort of the same kind of thing, correct? Yeah, I think it's information. I think is is probably neither good nor bad. It's, it's, you know, how you use it. Well, I would say it's probably, I mean, so I, again, you go back to the early days of wall street pre, uh, 2001, this was before Elliot Spitzer came in and kind of put reg FD in place and everything. So now everybody has to get the same information at the same time. Before that wall street banks, they basically said, okay, who's paying us the most money. And they would submit the research to those clients before anybody else saw it. They would get access to information. It was, it was really shady stuff that was going on. Remy, you said this earlier that we've kind of technology has democratized access to this information, which I think is a very good thing. Don't get me wrong. But as we all know, the flip side of that is you just got to find the right sources for information. I mean, look, not everything online is terrible. I mean, I've got my own sources. I mean, there's three or four people that every single day or every single week I read, and I'm sure you guys are the same way, whatever subject that you're, what you're interested in. So I think the challenge now is finding the good sources versus actually finding the information. Information is already out there. So bottom line, are financial influencers the great equalizer or are they just wolves in sheep's clothing? What do you guys think? I think it's not black and white. I think it's, uh, it's 70% the latter, 30% the former. That's my answer. I think it's a total clown show. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm more with Mike on this one. I'm going to say neither. I think it's, um, you know, I think it's just an example of the universal truth at this point that, uh, you know, ultimately you need to take personal responsibility for everything, right? I, I mean, you know, the information is out there. How you use it is up to you. You know, I think it's a good thing that the information is out there. I think it's a, a positive thing. That being said, and to Mike's point, 70% of that information is probably going to lead you down the wrong path, right? So, you know, I, I don't think it's good or bad. I think, I think it's just, uh, you know, it's up to you. 
This podcast is created and presented by Darwin Asset Management, LLC and Darwin Advisors, LLC, collectively referred to as Darwin. Darwin does not make any representation or warranties and therefore takes no responsibility as to the accuracy, timeliness, suitability, completeness, or relevance of any information contained in this podcast. Any tax or legal information contained in this podcast is general in nature. Always consult an attorney or tax professional regarding your specific legal or tax situation. The information presented does not involve the rendering of personalized investment advice. Different types of investments involve varying degrees of risk and there could be no assurance that any investment or strategy will be suitable or profitable for a client's portfolio. All investment strategies have the potential for profit and loss. Past performance may not be indicative of future results. Information presented is not an offer to buy or sell or a solicitation of any offer to buy or sell the securities mentioned herein.